Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Come on, if you truly believe that God is a God that is worthy of your praise, why don't you give Him a shout of praise in this place? Hallelujah. Gap Church, how are we doing today? The 9 a.m. service. (laughs) it's the first time I've ever preached this early in my life so please bear with me but I love this I I feel like there's there's a specific kind of hunger in this 9am service Um, I was speaking to Dara a few days ago and he was just kind of telling me about this specific group of people he he, you know he was expressing to me that usually the people at the 9am service are less than the people at the um, 11 service but he said to me that there is a specific type of hunger here said to me that in the 9 a.m. service, Toby, you don't really need to filter the message. You don't really need to, you know, sugarcoat around the word. But the 9 a.m. people, there is a a desire here. There is a hunger here. And I'm I'm excited to preach to that today. We excited for the word? Come on. So for those of you who don't know me, which is probably most of you, because you could probably tell by the way I speak, I'm not actually from here. I come from London, England. My name is Toby Sanusi. I'm from a church called a Life Church London, but I think I said it last time I preached here that the Gap Church is absolutely my second church. Um, every time I come to the States, this is home to me. There is nowhere else that I would want to be but the Gap Church. So please, I beg of you, don't see me as a guest, but see me as a member of the church, because like I said, this is family here for me. I also want to thank the Gap leadership for having me today. It means so much that you guys would Trust me with these few minutes that I have with your congregation. But before I go on, it will be remiss if I didn't um, ask you guys to help me welcome some special people here for me today. Um, I have my my mother here with me today. Come on, will you help me welcome her? I wouldn't be the person that I am today without my mother. I have my best friend Elizabeth with me today as well. And then I have my absolutely beautiful, incredible fiancé grace with me here as well so thank you guys for helping me honor them um honestly would not be here without the three of them um so i had to do that even though they don't really like it when i do that but i must do that we ready for the word then let's get into this um so i was speaking with with the gap leadership and they told me that i don't know if i'm allowed to say this i'm sure i am but um we're going to be starting a new series today anybody excited for that we're starting a new series today. I do personally, I, I love it when, when churches ask me to come and start a series for them because it means that if I get things wrong, it's okay because in the weeks coming, they will sort it out. So I'm, I'm good with this. Um, but we are starting a series on giving today. Is anybody excited for that? Come on, come on. Yeah, see, Dara was right about the 9 a.m. service because many other churches, once you mention to them that, that we're starting a series on giving, you would see everybody just go silent. Nobody wants to really, a lot of people don't really want to hear about giving. When people hear giving, the first thing they think is, oh, the church needs my money. But I want you guys to understand that this series that the church, that Gap Church are going into right now is one of the greatest series that you can ever go into because do you know that giving is probably, how do I put this? Giving, I would say, is the best way to be like God. There's no other way. The greatest way to, the, the, the giving is God. That's who God is. 
That's exactly who God is. So please, please, for anybody who may be thinking that, oh, the church are going into a series about giving because the church needs money or the church needs, it's not that. It's just that the church wants you to be like Christ. The church wants you to be like God and giving is who God is. So are we ready for this message today? Come on, will you turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 26? There's a really, really powerful few verses here. Matthew chapter 26 from verse 6. Um, personally, I've made it a, a, a personal decision in my heart that at least, at least once every year I will preach from this scripture because this scripture does something to my heart. It, it gives me a, I would call it a holy discontentment because this scripture right here makes me question my heart. It makes me question how I see God, and I pray that the same thing happens with you all today. Matthew chapter 26 from verse 6. I'm going to read a few verses. It says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had leprosy. During supper, a woman came in with a beautiful jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. Verse 8. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste of money, they said. She could have sold it for a fortune and given the money to the poor. But Jesus replied saying, why berate her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but I will not be here with you much longer. Verse 12, she has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. This is still Jesus speaking in verse 13. I assure you, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be talked about in her memory. If you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Will you close your eyes and bow as we pray? Father God, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you take control. Holy Spirit, whatever it is that you want to say to your people, I say that you say it. Father God, use me as a vessel and I ask in the name of Jesus that through the power of your words... Lives will be touched, lives will be changed, and lives will be transformed. Holy Spirit, help us to do stranger things. In Jesus' name, and the church said, and the church said, amen, amen. amen. Do y'all ever read the Bible and think, man, that's super strange? Like, are there some stories that you read in the Bible and you're just like, that don't really make, that's, that's strange to me. There are some times where I read the Bible and, and I see some certain specific stories. Please mind my accent. I hope that you guys can understand me. I'm sure you can. Um, but there are some stories that I read in the Bible and I just think that's so strange. Like, why, why on earth did that happen? Why would you do that? I'll give you an example. David. Many of us probably know who David is. David heard that this seven-foot man called Goliath was trying to, you know, wage war on the Israelites. And David heard of this seven foot man and David went to the, to the officiators, to the people in charge. And David, this young boy, goes up to them and he's like, you know what, guys? I know that this Goliath guy has like killed like everybody that's tried to fight him, but I want to fight him. Okay, I read this. And I'm like, okay, this is not strange yet. Okay, fair enough. This young boy feels like he wants to fight. Okay, maybe he's good at fighting. Maybe he, you know, maybe he's trained and stuff. Maybe he knows what he's doing. I continue reading the story and, and eventually the, the officiators are like, okay, David, we're going to let you fight. Take this sword and take this shield and go and fight this man called Goliath, okay? Still making sense. 
But then David responds saying, no, I don't really need the sword and the shield. I read that and I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. Like maybe he has like his own sword at home. Maybe he has his own shield. Like maybe he just has, you know, like maybe he has his own stuff that will be more effective against this Goliath guy. But he goes to them, yeah, no, I don't need that. You know, all I need is my slingshot and my stones. And now I read that and I'm like, now this is strange. Like why on earth does this little boy David think that it will be a better option to go into this fight with a seven foot, eight foot man thinking that a slingshot and a stone is going to work? I know most of you are probably familiar with the story, so you know that he defeated them, but it's still strange to me. Still don't make no sense. But he eventually defeats him. And then he asks for the sword and then he cuts off Goliath's head. I'm like, so you know how to use the sword, but you thought it was a good idea to go in with stones and a slingshot. Strange. Another story. You guys know the four dudes in the Bible, the four guys? The four guys that had, that had, that had a friend, that had a friend that was, that was sick. They knew that their friend needed healing. So these four friends, they heard that Jesus was going to be in a specific person's house. So these four friends decide, I don't know, one of them says, hey, let's go to this house where Jesus is in. Let's go there because we believe that if we go there, our friend can get healing. Okay, story's making sense to me so far. It's good. They know Jesus heals. They hear Jesus is at a house. They go to the house. Making sense so far, right? Then they get to the house and they see that the house is completely packed out. The house is completely full all the way to the door. There is no way for them to get in. Now, normal people would probably be like, okay, maybe let's come back later in the evening when there's less people. Or maybe they'll be like, okay, let's come back tomorrow. You know, Jesus who heals today, he can still heal tomorrow. Let's just come back another time. But one of these guys decide to say, hey, I have a great idea. Why don't we rip off the roof of this house and lower our friend in and he will get healing? So they did that. They went to this random house. They tore off the roof and they lowered their friend and Jesus healed their friend. I'm sure everybody in the room was probably celebrating, saying, oh my goodness, Jesus healed him. How incredible. But the owner of the house was probably looking at this like, is someone going to pay for that? Like, I understand that Jesus did like, that's great. But who's he's paying for my roof? So many strange things in the Bible. But I'd venture to say that one of the strangest stories in the Bible is this story in Matthew chapter 26. This story don't make no sense to me. The story says that this woman, random woman, hears that Jesus is in a specific place. She decides that she's going to go to this house and, 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 and see Jesus there. Okay, makes sense so far. This woman gets to the house. She sees Jesus sitting down on the seat and, and this woman brings out this jar of perfume. I want you to really imagine yourself in this story. The Bible says that this woman brings out this jar of perfume. The Bible don't say nothing about it being Black Friday. The Bible don't say nothing about this perfume being on sale. 
The Bible says that this woman brings out an expensive perfume. Imagine you're in this house and you see this random woman walks up to Jesus. You're thinking, what's this woman about to do? And she brings out this expensive perfume. You, you were at the store yesterday. You saw that this wasn't no perfume from Zara. You saw that this perfume didn't come from Target. You know that this is YSL. You know that this is good. You know that this is an expensive perfume. And this woman brings out this perfume. You're probably thinking, what, is she about to flex on everyone in front of everyone? Like just start spraying herself? Like what's this woman doing? But no, she brings out this expensive jar of perfume. And what does she do? She breaks it and she pours it at the feet of Jesus. This don't make no sense. This is strange. Why on earth did this woman think it was a good idea? To wake up, get an expensive jar of perfume and break it at the feet of Jesus. That don't make no sense to me. But I need us to understand something. There must be a time in a believer's walk where you start to do things. And what I call it, I call it unexplainable adoration. There must be a time in a believer's walk where you begin to do things in your response to your love for God that makes no sense on the surface level. That's what this woman did. She was at a place where she was doing acts of unexplainable adoration because this didn't make no sense to no one in the room. The Bible even says that the disciples said, what on earth are you doing? Why would you waste this money? This makes no sense. This could have gone somewhere else. But could it be that this woman was responding to something that the disciples hadn't experienced? Could it be that this woman was responding to something that the disciples didn't yet understand? Because there are some things in life, there is a certain way that you must adore God that on the surface level when people are watching you, they are thinking, what on earth are you doing? This don't make no sense. Why are you doing that? But sometimes there is a story behind some strange actions. And if you go deep into the word and you ask, why did this woman do this? Who is this woman? Do you know where you find yourself? You find yourself in John chapter 12. You find yourself in John chapter 12. John chapter 12 from verse 1 says these words right here. By the way, John chapter 12 comes after John chapter 11. I'm sure we all understand that. But you see, John chapter 11 was was the moment in time where Lazarus had died and he had been raised up. John chapter 12 from verse 1 says, Six days before the Passover ceremonies began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. I love how John chapter 12 is so specific in reminding us about what happened in John chapter 11. 
The Bible says, I'm going to read that again. Six days before the Passover ceremonies began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he has raised from the dead. John was so intentional about reminding us about what happens in John chapter 11. Maybe it's because he knew that for you to understand my John chapter 12, you have got to understand my John chapter 11. For you to understand what I'm doing right now, you have got to understand what I experienced back then. For you to understand the season that I'm in right now, you must first understand the season that I was in back then. John makes sure to remind us that this was the home of the man that Jesus raised from the dead. Verse 2 says, a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served and Lazarus sat at the table with him. Watch verse 3. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with fragrance. You see, Matthew said, let me tell you about a random woman that anointed Jesus' feet. But John said, I need to tell you about this woman because you will not understand why this woman did what she did until you understand what she went through. Because now when I read this, it makes sense. The thing that was strange in Matthew chapter 26 now makes sense. I now understand why this woman went through the trouble that she went through to, to go and find this expensive jar and anoint the feet of Jesus because this is the exact same woman who saw her brother dead in the grave for four days and Jesus came at the moment when she thought that it was over and raised her brother from the dead. It now makes sense why she did what she did. It now makes sense. This story is no longer strange to me. This woman was responding to what Jesus did for her. This woman was responding to the fact that Jesus brought her a hope that she thought was impossible. It's okay for your actions to not make sense in the eyes of mankind because some people don't understand what you have been through. Some people don't understand what God has done for you. Even though the disciples were there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, they still couldn't understand what it meant to Mary. They still couldn't understand what it meant to Mary. Giving is a response to what Jesus has done for you. If you're taking notes, I want to teach you four very important things about giving. Four very, very important things about giving. The first thing, write this down. Giving is worship. Giving is worship. Look at Jesus's. Oh, no, no, no. Look what the disciples say in verse 8. After Mary did this. Matthew 26, verse 8. It says, the disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste of money. Giving is all about worth. Usually when we give, the first thing we think is, is this worth it? 
some of us, we need to ask ourselves the question, is God worth it? Because these disciples, their response to what this woman did shows me that these disciples, or this one disciple in particular, he didn't understand Jesus' worth. He didn't understand Jesus' worth. And all worship is, this is what worship is. Worship is a response to how worth it you think God is. Worship is a response to how worth it you think God is. But this one disciple, he did not see Jesus' worth. Imagine how insulted Jesus must have been. Imagine how insulted Jesus must have felt. One of my closest friends who has seen me do everything that I do, the first thing that he says about what this woman does is, what a waste of money. He didn't understand Jesus' worth. Mary understood that Jesus was worth it. Me giving this offering, me anointing his feet, this is worth it because this is my worship. I think for too long, the church, we've neglected worship to, 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 to the tempo of a song. For too long, we've neglected, we've, we've segregated worship to, to simply just a genre, but that's not what worship is. Worship is a lifestyle. Your worship can't just be shown in, in the way you sing a song. Your worship can't just be shown in the tempo of a song. Your worship can't just be shown in all of these musical things. Worship is a lifestyle. Giving is worship. But see, giving is the type of worship that starts when the music stops. Some of us, our worship ends when the music stops. Some of us, our worship ends as soon as the keys are finished playing. But Mary understood the importance of making sure that everything in my life is worship. Even what I give to God, this is my worship. This is what I call true worship. The Bible says that, that God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. This is what I call true worship. Why? Because Mary did not count the cost. Mary did not count the cost. She did not think about what she was losing. All she thought about was that I must show this man how much I adore him. That's true worship. True worship doesn't think about what the world thinks about. True worship simply thinks about, I must show this man what he means to me. Giving is worship. Second point that's so important, giving is wise. Giving is wise. Look at verse nine. Look at what the same disciple says. He says in verse nine, she could have sold it for a fortune and given the money to the poor. So just to be specific, this was Judas, Judas speaking, the same one that betrayed Jesus <laughs> for a very small amount of money. And in the end of it, he realized that, wow, this really wasn't worth it. Why did I do this? And he committed suicide. But this same Judas, in this moment in time, decided that he would be Mary's financial advisor. When he saw what Mary was doing, Judas said, why would you do this? 
you could have done this instead. It would have been wiser to put this money somewhere else. Let me give you guys a very, very important truth about finances. Never allow somebody who doesn't know Christ's worth to be your financial advisor. Never allow somebody who doesn't know the worth of Christ to be your financial advisor. Because they will tell you that what you are doing makes no sense. They will tell you that you should have put your money somewhere else. They will tell you that giving to the church, that giving to God makes no sense. This could have gone anywhere else. But every single one of them have an earthly perspective. But giving to God gives you a heavenly perspective. This is why giving is wise. Because it's an investment for the kingdom. It's an investment for eternity. Everything else that you invest in will die the moment that you leave this world. But when you invest in the kingdom, it's for eternity. This is why I say giving is wise. It's the greatest financial decision you can ever make. I have regretted buying a lot of things in my life. Honestly, this outfit that I'm wearing, I probably kind of regret it somewhere deep down. But there has never been a time that I've regretted giving to God. Because it's the wisest thing that I can do. Psalms 24 verse 1 says that the earth is the Lord's and the kingdom thereof. That means that everything on earth belongs to God. So why do I now have an issue with giving back to God? If everything that I have came from him. It makes no sense. Giving to God is the wisest investment you can ever make. Why? Because he owns everything. There's no loss in giving to God because he owns everything and he's your father. And if he truly cares about you and if he truly loves you, why would he make you lack if you are one who gives to him? Wow. You know, I, 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 in my childhood, I've, I've been very privileged to have an amazing father, as in, you know, not God, I'm speaking about my biological dad. And one thing about my parents, both my parents, to be honest, one thing about them is that whenever somebody would like give me, you know, a gift, whenever somebody would give me like money, whatever it is, first thing my mom would say is give it to me. Now, when I was younger, I, I didn't like that because I was thinking I'm losing money. Like, why am I giving this to you? But she would always say, give it to me. And I realized that that's the wisest thing I could do because everything that I need comes from them. They give me everything that I need. If I need food, I don't go and find it myself. They give it to me. If I need clothes, I don't go find the money myself. They, they would give it to me. So, so how is it a loss if I give back to the ones who give me everything? This is why giving is wise. It's the greatest investment you could ever make. But Judas didn't see Jesus' worth, so he couldn't. Think about giving. Please write this down. Giving is infectious. <laughs> Giving is infectious. I love the scripture in John chapter 12, verse 3. I love, how, I love how, how specific the Bible is. Look at what it says here. It says, when Mary did this, the whole house was filled with fragrance. The Bible doesn't say that it was only Jesus who smelt good after that. The Bible says that the whole house was filled with fragrance. 
Giving to God is one of the greatest ways that you can impact the lives of those around you. Giving is infectious. It doesn't only impact you. It doesn't only impact God, but it impacts everybody around you. If you want your house to be blessed, make sure you give. Because that's exactly what happened in this scripture. One person gave, but the whole house was filled with fragrance. You don't know that in your, in your unwillingness to give, not only are you, are, you, are you taking away blessings from yourself, but you are taking away blessings from people around you. You don't know who your giving can affect. You may not experience it firsthand, but there are some people close to you who are experiencing it. I'll tell you a quick story. One of my close friends, you know, he recently told me that he started tithing. And at first he didn't see any blessings from it. At first he said, well, you know, personally, I haven't, I haven't received any extra finances. I don't think I've received any extra blessings. And then I asked him again in a few, week, a few weeks after, I asked him, you know, how do you think tithing has affected you? And he said to me, actually, Toby, I realized that once I started tithing, my mother started receiving more job opportunities. My mother's finances started increasing. It's because when you have a heart of giving, not only does it affect you, but it affects, so it affects the people around you because giving is infectious. And the final thing, and I'll close on this point, the final and the most important thing that you must understand about giving. Giving is the gospel. Giving is the gospel. Look at these powerful words in verse 13 that Jesus says. He says, I assure you, as in I promise you, as in I guarantee you. And Jesus is not a man that he should lie. He says, I assure you that wherever the good news is preached, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be talked about in her memory. What Jesus was saying here is that no matter who preaches the gospel, giving must always be spoken about. Jesus was saying that it is impossible for you to preach the gospel without speaking about giving. This is why it's so important that Gap Church are going through this series because the gospel is not complete unless you speak about giving. Do you understand that the most famous scripture in the Bible, the, the scripture that literally encapsulates the whole gospel, John 3.16, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. So in that scripture alone, it shows that it is impossible to preach the gospel without speaking about giving because giving is the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave. This scripture in itself proves my first point that giving is the best way to be like God. Because it was through giving that our lives were saved. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Meaning, if we just do simple equations, 
it means that the response to love must be to give. The response to love must be to give. Your love is not true if you do not give. Your love is not authentic if you do not give. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's impossible to love if you do not give. Giving is the gospel. Giving is what connects us with who God is. Giving is, is it, it's taking up the nature of God. But all of that being said, the truth is, is that you will never ever understand the importance of giving until you understand who gave first. The problem with many of us when it comes to giving is that we think, God, I first have to see what you'll do for me before I can give to you. That's the problem with many people. We say, God, first let me see what you will do for me if I give to you. But I need you to understand that God made the first move. You did not, he's not asking you to make the first move. He already made the first move in giving his only son, in giving his life so that you can be saved. So everything that we give to God would always be a response. Never think that you're the one making the first move. It's not you. <laughs> Although the Bible says, God says, draw unto me and I will draw unto you. The Bible says that, hoping that you already have the understanding that he drew unto you first. He came first. He made the first move. So your giving will always be a response to what he did. And like I said, you will never understand the truth about giving until you understand that he was the one who gave first. He was the one who gave his life so that you can be saved. And through him giving his life and you accepting that he gave his life, you are saved and you will be with him for eternity. And it's because of that. That is the reason why no matter what God asks me to give, I will give. Because he gave me the greatest gift that I could ever ask for. Today, I'd like to give somebody the opportunity to receive that greatest gift, to accept that greatest gift, which is the gift of salvation. Because until you accept this gift right here, you'll never be able to respond with giving. So if everybody could please just close their eyes and bow their heads. If there's anybody here that wants to accept the first gift that God gave, the gift of his son, the gift of his life, the gift of total forgiveness, the gift of salvation. If there's anybody that wants to accept that gift, I'd like to just ask you wherever you are, if you just raise your hand as a sign to heaven, as a public declaration to show that you are accepting this gift. And if that is you, I'd like to ask you to say the salvation prayer with me. 
Simply just say in your heart, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the gift. I thank you for the gift of life. I thank you for the gift of forgiveness. I accept the gift that you have given me. And I am thankful that now I get to spend eternity with you. Jesus, help me to live a life that, live, that is a response to your gift. In Jesus' name, amen. And if anybody has said that prayer and you meant that from the bottom of your heart, I want to encourage you that now because of that prayer, you will now be spending eternity with Christ. Come on, can we give God some praise for that? That because of his gift, we get to spend eternity with him. Thank you for tuning in to the Gap Church podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations, we celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Again, text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.